Weird. Hey, I'm Kyle Gatlin. I'm a pastor, and I bet that everyone in this room, anybody listening online, when I say the two words, magic kingdom, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Most of, most of you do. It's the happiest place on earth, right? And I even wear the socks to make sure I match up with the magic kingdom. I got my Mickey Mouse socks on today. These actually were given to me by Debbie Babinski. Uh, in honor of her husband, wore these to the, to the funeral for her husband. She sent these to me to have happy sock for his funeral a uh, year, year or so, year plus ago. Uh, so Magic Kingdom, we know what it is. We, we know what it is. But did you know that the Magic Kingdom is actually built on the second story? Did, did y'all know this? They, they, it's a gradual grade, so when you walk onto the site, you will not know it. But they have built it up so that they could put tunnels and corridors underneath the Magic Kingdom so that the characters, your Cinderella's and people like that, could go underneath without being seen. The idea was that the characters are all tied to a certain place in the Magic Kingdom, and they didn't want those characters to be seen except in that area. So they could go, go come and go as they please, all dressed up underneath to get to their areas. And it kept up the illusion of, quote-unquote, the Magic Kingdom. Now, it's a great place to visit. Right? I, I went there when I was probably seven or eight years old. Don't remember a thing about it. That's been so long ago. But it's the happiest place on earth. And, and you, even though you want to stay there, you can't. Right? You cannot stay in that kingdom. But we all have our own kingdoms. We all have our own kingdoms. And, and all of us have places where we stay. And maybe some of us are limited by our location, geographically. But the kingdom that I want to talk to us today about is not geared to a geographic location. The kingdom I want to talk to us today about is a kingdom that's within our hearts and within our minds. It's a kingdom that Jesus talked about. And, and his kingdom not tied to a place either. His kingdom wasn't tied to Israel or Galilee or Capernaum. It, it was not confined to that. Jesus talked about his kingdom and what that kingdom would look like and how to live in that kingdom. And, and one of the things that comes out when Jesus is talking about his kingdom is that when you live in that kingdom that he's talking and he's describing in that kingdom, there is compassion, but paired with it is forgiveness. In that kingdom, there is compassion, but many times it's paired with forgiveness. You know, we can, we can have compassion to people that are far off. I, I did that when I uh, sent... Uh, I sponsored a child from World Vision a number of years ago. And so I, quote-unquote, show compassion every time my bank account is debited. Right? It's automatic now. I only have to click to offer compassion. And money is sent to that community in Bangladesh. And the idea is that 
that that community is transformed with the love of Jesus over the course of many years. And the child that, that chose me and my family, but other children as well, would come to know Jesus Christ. But that's far off. That's Bangladesh. I probably will never, ever meet that person. Probably never will. But compassion that is real, that is felt, many times has to be done face-to-face. Has to be done in person. Not with the writing of a check or the click of a gift button online. And so many times, that involves forgiveness. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 18. He told a story. And let's read that story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The, master, the servant's master took pity on him. The word can also be translated, the master had compassion on him, because that's the same word we looked at two weeks ago. Splach needs mine. He had compassion on him. He canceled the debt. He had deep concern, deep feelings, deep pity for this man, and he canceled the debt. When Jesus told this story, he knew exactly what he was doing because he gave a figure so large that people could not even imagine it. They would not even imagine how, how in the world would one person have this much debt to a single person? It, it, was, it was unfathomable. And in today's money, I guess, based on my best guess, it was $37 million in today's world. So if there's one person that I owe in this congregation, I owed you $37 million. One person to another person. Not a corporation, but a single person. First of all, you're thinking, how in the world would you have that much debt? Well, Michael Jordan gambled a lot, didn't he? Maybe, maybe it came from, I don't know. Maybe it came from gambling, I don't know. The point is, it's just so large, you wouldn't even think of it. And to think how to pay that back. If you didn't count interest in today's world, and if you worked 60 years, which is high, for a full-time working person, right? But if you'd have to work 60 years, you'd have to earn over $600,000 a year without any other expenses just to pay it back without interest. And you're, you're thinking there's literally no way. I think that's the point of the story. I think that's the point of Jesus was trying to make. That there, there's a debt so large, you'll, in your lifetime, you'll never be able to pay it back especially if you're trying to live your own life and support your own family, you'll never be able to pay this back. But compassion was shown. Now understand it takes two to tango in this story. 
So you have the one man begging and begging and begging, but the other person, what did they have to do? Forgive. He had to forgive that man for all the debt he'd incurred. Huge. Huge. You had attitudes on, for both people had to come into play here for this to work out. And of course, as soon as this man was forgiven this huge debt, he went right home and told his wife, he said, honey, you want, will not believe this. We are now debt free. I need you to bake this guy a cake, please, right? To show him appreciation. And, and honey, I, I, this is a new lease on life. This is a new life. I, I, I am now going to live my life like this man. Because of what he's done for me, my life is now changed. Uh, the life of this, or our family is now changed for the better. We are on a path that is going to be so awesome, honey. I can't wait to start this journey. That's what he should have done. But here's what he did. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He owed 37 million. Somebody owed him 60 bucks. 60 bucks. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. He instead, he instead went off and had the man thrown into prison until, until he could pay the debt. So this servant, this man who owed, owed the 60 bucks, did exactly what the first man did. He begged. He got down on his hands and knees and begged, just give me more time. I will pay back your 60 bucks. Just give me a little more time. I beg you. I beg you. But the man who had just been forgiven of 37 million was not moved. The man who had been forgiven of 37 million chose to live in a different kingdom. He, he, had, he had just walked out of a kingdom that had offered compassion and forgiveness. And then he stepped into his own kingdom totally different. And here's our issue. When we choose to live in a different kingdom, a kingdom of no compassion toward others, a kingdom of no forgiveness... We're choosing a kingdom that will lack compassion and forgiveness toward us. Because here's the rest of the story. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. In other words, never. This is how my heavenly father will, forgive, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I, I don't know about you, 
but I'm sort of counting on God's forgiveness and compassion. In fact, I'm, I'm counting on it just because of what has happened this week. And truth be known, I'm counting on that forgiveness and compassion of what happened this morning. Without that forgiveness and without that compassion from God toward me, I would be lost. And I would never find relief from the hurt in my life. Luke also gives us a picture of the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. Luke had many stories. A lot of us are familiar with some of the parables in Luke, but none, none more memorable than the one in chapter 15. And this is the one that particularly involves forgiveness and compassion. The story goes, the youngest son ask his father to give him his inheritance early. This is one of those stories that is, again, sort of, when the hearer is listening to that, just like that $37 million that the hearer heard, that first story in Matthew, when the hearer heard that a son asked for his inheritance before his dad died, the hearer will go, that, that doesn't make sense. That would never happen. And that's sort of the point. So G Jesus is really exaggerating the story, to make a point. But the man, the young man, the prodigal son, lost everything. He was destitute. He was homeless. In verse 17 of Luke 15, when he came to his census, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. For I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. Splock, splock, knizimo. Word. Same word from two weeks ago. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him and was filled with compassion was filled with compassion. Deeply moved. Deeply moved was this father. We're going to read the rest of the story just to tie it up. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice that the father had already offered him compassion before the words got out of the son's mouth. The son asked for forgiveness, but it had already been given. Right? But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. On his feet. <laughs> yeah. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. In chapter 15, this is the third lost story. You had the lost coin and you had the lost sheep. And in those lost stories, the first one about the sheep and the coin, when Jesus was telling this parable, he said when the sheep was found and when the coin was found, that's like what, what the kingdom of heaven does when a lost person comes back to me. That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. That's what my kingdom is all about, the lost 
being found. And I hope you don't don't miss the analogy here Jesus is making that the Father is God. And God is offering compassion even before the Son asks for forgiveness. The Father offered compassion even when the Son had done the unthinkable, even when the Son had done the unimaginable, even when the Son had turned His back. The Father offered compassion. Paul sort of brings this whole idea of compassion and forgiveness back home to us when he says this in Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Now, this compassion word is a little bit different in the Greek. It's not the same exact word. But the word clothe has the same root as the other compassion words that I've been giving you. The splock, kanizmo, kanizmai, all right? So there's both words are sort of used in this passage. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And when you have compassion and, and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, he said, Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against another someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And all over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, Paul understands that, that you, you, can, you can do a whole lot of good in the world. New good stuff. But when you put compassion on and you add kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, if you're not forgiving, then you really don't have anything on. You have really not put those on. He has paired these together for a reason. Forgiveness and compassion go hand in hand. But here's the truth that you may not want to hear, and you may not like, but, but you need to understand something. Compassion costs. There is a cost to compassion. What will you pay? You know, when, we, when somebody comes to us after they've hurt us, after they've caused us pain, uh, they said something to us, they sent us a bad message or a bad tweet or something or another. But they come to us, and we can tell that they really are sorry that they did or said something about us. It's easy to forgive when we see it. When we see that person come to us contrite and really down because of the mistake that they've made. It's easy to forgive. But forgiveness can also be hard. Because you know, there, there are some times that people will hurt us and they will never ask for forgiveness. There are people, there are people that we are called to offer compassion to 
that have done some bad things. Yeah, even some heinous things. They have had crimes against our community or against society, however you want to put that. And we're called to have compassion on them. What was that passage Ken shared last week? I was in prison and you visited me. I was in prison and you visited me. Why somebody in prison? For a vacation? No. They did something that was bad. And we're to offer compassion to that person. It's, it's easy to offer compassion to somebody overseas, way out of touch with, with us. But when they're hanging out downtown somewhere, or they're in community corrections, or they're up at a correctional institute somewhere close, a little bit more difficult. We have to do it face to face. For us to unleash compassion, we would need to forgive like Jesus forgave. And sometimes that means forgiving without them even asking. And we don't like to do that. That costs us something. That costs us. So compassion may cost you your pride. It may cost you your, your humility. And yeah, it may actually cost you giving up your right to hold somebody accountable for their actions. Because that's not your job. You've been called to unleash compassion. And it can cost you. The good Samaritan, when he stopped and helped the beaten man on the side of the road, what did it cost him? It cost him time, time to bandage him, time to take the man to, to somebody to take care of him. It cost him money, and then it cost him some more time because he had to come back to make sure that the man was taken care of. One act of kindness led down the road to, quote-unquote, many inconveniences. That could happen if, if we unleash compassion the way Jesus has called us to. Compa- compassion can be messy. It, it, it can be. It, it's not always easy. And all, it's not always straightforward. We like to make it that way. We, we've, we sort of made it easy and straightforward for you to catch a, a taste of compassion in the last couple of weeks and, and the, this week to come, giving you opportunities. Make it simple. But that's not the way it always is. To say that you care, that you love with the love of Jesus, but not do anything, don't act at all, mm. compassion really should move us deep within. It really should. And when 
we're moved, we need to act. No matter the cost. Let's pray. Jesus, open our eyes to, to those around us who need compassion. It literally may be a neighbor. It, it, it may be someone downtown. At the Ark, at the harbor, the Dothan Rescue Mission, or Community Corrections, or even in the jail. It may be someone that's really in a complicated situation. It may be the single mother who simply needs a break from her kids for a little bit. Show us, show us how Jesus would act. Show us how Jesus would be compassionate. Give us a heart to forgive and give us a heart to act. So in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.